we're using an impasse as well to create terms, to create creative financing, to create a lot of different things. The, the impasse is a really magical place where you can really play around with how you help and serve your seller at that point. So by getting to a yes, the agent has, as you said, Frank, perfectly, the agent has no fear of losing Sam if it was Sam. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, loyal listeners, this is Marco Kozlowski with Big Fat Real Estate Checks. I'm joined today with Gabriel Araish and Frank Galuccio, and both respectively in uh, Toronto and uh, Montreal. And I'm excited today to go over a follow-up of episode 57, when you get to a yes too quickly. If you haven't listened to episode 57, I suggest you do it very quickly. Uh, hit the pause button and listen to that. And if you haven't listened to at least the first 10 episodes as well, please go do so, because the more you... You learn the more you earn and you'll really understand our processes at least a big idea of the processes at least since we have lots and lots of content uh, the first 10 episodes will really explain to you how we buy assets using asset-based lending so you never need to use your own money again and in so doing there are very specific skills that you have to learn and implement and one of those skills is getting to an impasse uh, which is covered in also past episodes. I'd have to pull up the list because we have so many. But uh, getting to an impasse is actually the most important thing, not getting to a yes. And if you do get to a yes too quickly, they're basically going to go splat against the wall. Uh, they're very specific processes in order to create deals, create great deals at significant discounts. We're talking over 30% and how to really monetize um, every lead that comes in along the way. And anyway, there's very, a lot of detailed processes. And today we're going to uh, discuss uh, a general that uh, that actually is enrolled in the program uh, that uh, is struggling with uh, th that concept of an impasse. It, in fact, it's not uh, a student uncommon issue. It's, it, it happens a lot. Most people are designed and are programmed to want to get to a yes as quickly as possible. And if you get to a yes, it means you're going to get the deal. And in this business, it's actually the opposite. You want to get to an impasse, which is them saying, I want this, them understanding that you can buy it, but not at that price because it doesn't meet our matrix, and then creating a solution, which is presenting the contract. And there's a whole ritual and a process around that. And if you don't honor that ritual and process, you are going to be destroyed on a contract. And we actually just... Uh, got a response from a contract that was sent over. I don't want to say his name, but his name is, sounds like Sam, and he used to live in Australia, but now lives in the UK. So that's all you're going to get. And he does the business from uh, the UK in, in the US and does an extremely good job. He's extremely astute. I have this is I have nothing but respect for the guy. He works extremely hard. I wish more of my followers and students were as hardworking as him. And he's just learning what needs to be learned and uh, making mistakes along the way. And we're, of course, helping him. And I'm honored to do so. He's, he's a really he's a really great guy. So uh, we're going to discuss his, uh, I guess, the, the car accident or the bloodbath or the destruction of his contract. Uh, there was a yes that was achieved. Uh, it was sent over to uh, to an agent and the agent just destroyed the agreement because the agreement is really designed to protect us as the buyer. Uh, there are stipulations in there that make the seller accountable to give us the things that we need in order for us to use asset-based lenders. In most contracts, there's a timeline that says, hey, if you don't close within XYZ amount of days, you're done, you lose your money, you have a lot of risk, we can sue you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in our agreements is putting the onus on the seller 
to give us what we need in order for us to close. And if they don't give us what we need, our contract extends until we do get what we need. So it puts the pressure on the seller versus on us. So it's it's a much better agreement that uh, protects us as the buyer versus uh, an agent and um, the, the, the seller. So uh, I know, Frank, you uh, you brought this up. So we'll start with uh, Francesco okay. from Toronto. And let's uh, let's discuss this. And uh, I, this it is, is it is. And thanks for that teeing up uh, this this, uh, this particular deal. So yeah, Sam, he is a hustler. And I see, you know, when you see the train wreck in slow motion, this is what was happening because actually it was around that time when we had episode 57. I was like, oh man, I was like, all right, but he is a hustler. He did uh, negotiate the price down, uh, but he got that yes too quickly. And he did a few things uh, that he could, you know, could have done a lot better to prevent this train wreck. And it is a train wreck. Uh, so we'll start from there. So basically it, it's a four unit and we have specific paperwork for different asset classes and for different uh, number of units. So it all started there. It was about two weeks ago. Uh, if not a little bit longer, he, he sent in the paperwork, our paperwork, uh, which again puts the onus or accountability on the seller to perform certain tasks. And if they don't, then they're in breach. And and many don't like that, especially some agents. They don't like that because traditionally the paperwork the agents use uh, in their respective states, it's there to protect the seller and the onus is all on the buyer which should be the other way around because the buyer is coming to the table with money not the seller the seller has the property granted yes and they got to be protected and the paperwork that marco has uh, that you that we have um it's set up where both parties have a responsibility have accountability and if you default as a buyer then shame on you then you should lose your your emd and and, and so forth and lose that reputation so on this note he started off that he sent in an agreement he was overly aggressive on uh, we have a, an exhibit b with certain items we would like to see during due diligence uh, just to make sure that the numbers check out that the property checks out and and everything's you know what the seller is saying it is and it was a little bit aggressive for this type of asset or and for this size of asset so that was the first clue that the agent did not like this and she's like hey why are you sending me a commercial contract uh, for something that is deemed pretty much residential so four units is it can go either way residential or commercial he said the commercial but she was her focus was on on the exhibit uh, B first off that was her first thing she goes hey he doesn't have all these things this is a commercial transaction this is residential what are you doing uh, you're asking for everything under the book so we corrected that we course corrected we said you know what our fault our bad we're used to higher pro we're used to dealing with bigger properties you know we'll amend it or just cross out what the seller can't provide and we'll take it to legal and go from there. So again, in a non-confrontational way, we just said, just cross out whatever, whatever's there, or we could just send you an amended one, whatever the case is. Yes, Mark. Can you, um, can you go over, um, for those that are listening and have no idea what an exhibit B is. So I'm listening to this and I'm stumbling across this podcast, or I've been doing this a while. You, you don't have access to our paperwork because it's exclusively for those are in the program. We give those, we give you hundreds of paperworks. Um, it's not English, but you know what I'm talking about. We give you hundreds of forms and, and documents and contracts that have been time tested. Uh, can you give an example, uh, please, either, you know, Gabe or, or Frank, I know Gabe does contracts a lot too. Mm -hmm. What are some of the items that we had asked for? Uh, and again, we, we use very, we, we ask for very specific things mm -hmm. since we are using other people's money. We're using asset-based lenders. We need to verify income and there, you know, there's a, a, a quasi, I don't want to go into the entire thing, but you know, there's very specific things that we need to really verify income to prove or verify because we have a saying, trust, but verify. We have to verify the income is there. So, so I don't know who, 
Yeah, I'll go. Hey, so, you know, one of the main things we ask for is bank statements. We ask bank statements for the last two years so that we can validate that the income is actually being deposited in the bank account or basically it's going to prove that it's collected at least. Uh, we ask for things like financial statements and include including the uh, profit and loss statement and the balance sheet, which obviously in a residential transaction such as this one, you know, there's no chance that the, the seller has a balance sheet. We'll ask for tax returns, uh, a general ledger, which is basically a list of of all the accounts that are hit through your bank account so you know any expense that comes in will be will be recorded under its uh, its own category so if you pay you know $500 for uh, for electricity it's going to go into the utility account if uh, you pay uh, $200 to a property manager it's going to go to a property management account if you know if you pay $500 for taxes it'll go to that tax account now not everyone has all that stuff but in, in a four unit five unit six unit when you're playing with hundreds of units this is very standard right having all these things but when you're dealing with a mom and pop or an agent that's used to dealing with dealing with residential this is going to be almost like drinking water from a fire hose you're going to get really confused so there has to be a balance of understanding who you know listening to who your audience is really and not scaring the shit out of them with a list although there's nothing wrong with it you can send a huge list and then what the hell is this we don't have any of this shit if you've done your impasse properly and you ask for too much and said listen i really want i don't have any of this i really need to be paid what can we do you know that is a more productive conversation than being ripped a new asshole by an agent saying you know trying to i'll let i'll let frank or gabe you know go over yeah. what the, this well, this email that we're looking at before is, we get to the is. to the email so uh, the good part the agent didn't rip apart the contract he ripped them in uh in an email so at least they didn't get a bug bath with uh track changes on, on the contract but uh, going back to the, to the initial agreement so from there on and and we pivot nicely we said hey you know our fault is in that we're used to bigger properties then she started insisting on on the state paperwork and and a lot of agents you know are comfortable with that uh some brokerage firms require that the agent use the state approved agreement a purchase and sale agreement and we didn't dismiss it right away uh we tried to push back a little bit more say hey you know if you're using our money we need to use our paperwork we've been doing this for several years we, we use this paperwork for several transactions across many states and you know and it, it works all right it works for both parties it makes both parties accountable she didn't like that answer she says no you got to use the state approved and we said you know what that's fine we'll have our legal take a look at it so every time she pushed back and she, you're getting all these pushbacks because she's not she's not fearing that sam the student they're gonna she's gonna lose them because he didn't establish that impasse she, so she's pushing back and we, we pivot back and say, you know what? We'll take a look at your fought for our paperwork. And then we said, fine, we'll take a look at your state uh, prop, uh, paperwork, but we may need to add an addendum to that. And we do have addendums for students where we put specific clauses in there that are in the original agreement on our paperwork that will super exceed what the state contract will say. We're gaining back the control on our paperwork by using that addendum. So but that's where we pivot. And that's where we left off on this one. Oh, we're just staring at each other going. Oh, no, that's fine. I, 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 yeah. So <laughs> no, you guys got the fine, facts in fine. front of you. So uh, I, no, I, it, it, no, no, I it just sounded like you, you were still going on a roll yeah, and then you just yeah, stopped. It's, it's funny because I can't, oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, we're not okay. used to Frank stopping. <laughs> I've never heard silence from Frank's mouth in like, what, I usually just don't stop on the time, yes. But anyways, I just wanted to bring it up. And that's where we came to this uh, particular response from the agent. But it's it's kind of cool because we've talked about this in the past and we've talked about it theoretically. And now we get this, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, we get a a live case, you know. And and again, just to remind everyone, it's not Sam. It's uh, this is a symptom of not having an impasse. Uh, I, I just wonder there are two things that are happening. If you get your contract destroyed by, and again, this is a, the agreement here that was presented is for a property that's significantly under thirty percent off. 
So there's a significant discount and the conversations that we've had are, you know, we want to move forward in a, you know, a quick sale through the impasse. We say, listen, I know you want more than what we're willing to pay in cash. And this is the number the seller wants. We can get to that number, not cash and quick the way we've been discussing since you want higher than what, what we're able to do on cash. But because you want more, we're going to do your number, but the terms are going to be a little bit different. So we're using an impasse as well to create terms, to create creative financing, to create a lot of different things. The, the impasse is a really magical place where you can really play around with how you help and serve your seller at that point. So by getting to a yes, the agent has, as you said, Frank, perfectly, the agent has no fear of losing Sam, if it was Sam. So there's no fear whatsoever of losing this human at the other end. There's, they don't believe that person can close. They don't believe that they have necessarily the money or they want, or they're so focused on the contract because they're an agent. They're not looking at the relationship that they don't want to lose with a cash buyer. They're looking at how do I protect my seller and myself versus looking necessarily at the big picture. And there's nothing wrong with that because that is the, the agent's function. But there, I don't think there has been a state where our contracts have not been accepted by an agent and used. I don't think it's, there's no law that says you have to use a real estate contract of that state for a transaction. That's right. An agent wants to use their contract and a broker wants to use that contract because they know they're protected and they know that all the clauses are there that are needed in order to A, go after you if you don't close, uh, make sure that the agent gets paid, make sure the broker gets paid, make sure, you know, it's really designed to protect the broker, the agent, and lastly, the seller. I know Gabe is going through a situation now where, you know, there was an agent involved and the seller still decided to, you know, do some shit around the agent and go directly to Gabe, which makes no sense. So that's another podcast for another day. But it's just because you have the agent contracts doesn't mean that there's not going to be a problem. And if you use your own contracts, ones that know you're going to be protected, you have to fight tooth and nail to get those. And the only way they're going to accept that is if you got into an impasse. So easy come, easy go. If you got to a yes too quickly, you're going to lose the contract. And I know I'm missing some stuff, Gabe. Yeah. Frank, I don't uh, know if you so, wanna... so just to add on well, that, or Gabe, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. If you well, just to add on that where signs of miscommunication where maybe the student could have improved on was this agent appears, looking at this email, this agent appears to be confused that uh, the student is portrayed as a cash buyer because now she's like, hey, it seems like you're looking for financing, right? And because of that, I thought we were dealing with uh, you know, a cash offer. Uh, so your price needs to come up significantly. So I don't think there was a, a great job done establishing, hey, we're a cash buyer. This is what we can pay uh, because now she's having dealt. And because of that, her subsequent sentence is, hey, you know what? If you're looking for financing, your price needs to come up significantly higher. It needs to be, you know, over the six figures or whatever. And and it needs, we need a proof of funds. So right there, and she put it in bold and, and in caps. So right there, that's that's you know, shouting in the email, I guess. We need proof of funds. And she wanted the student to send in a proof of funds, uh, use the state contract, review it, sign it, date it with a local contract, which I remind you, she also put in capital letters and also in bold, basically saying, we're not using your paperwork, pal. Okay, so step aside. We're using our paperwork. And then the seller signs it. Oh, submit EMD, which is earnest money deposit. Let's go. To, so their contract, proof of funds. He's got to review it. He's got to sign it. The state contract. He sends in the EMD deposit. And then the seller, then the seller will sign the contract. And then the seller's attorney will have the opportunity to either approve it or disapprove it within five business days. And so right here, I just want to add, because we were ripping on this because of, of the way this was or the impasse was not reached and they got to a yes too quickly but let's flip the coin here this 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 realtor is is doing a fabulous job for her seller and if i wanted to use a realtor she's definitely someone i would want on my team just the way she's answering this so she's not only doesn't believe him she's giving
giving him a lecture on how to do real estate or how to perform real estate. So evidently, she doesn't even believe, not that he can't even close. She doesn't think he's ever bought a property the way this is disclosed. She's basically giving him the ABCs of how a real estate transaction works for her because, again, the realtor only knows what they know and they've been used to doing something over and over and over in their careers. This is how they usually do things, so it must be true and it must be the only way to do things. So that's sort of why this is happening. But again, you have to highlight that this broker, she's doing a fabulous job yep. here for And she seller. also then mentioned that our paperwork is riddled with contradictions. Now, that's contradictions in her belief because I'm going to mention a few of them here. So this is her belief because this is what she's used to. So no fault to the agent. Like you said, Gabe, yes, you want someone like her when you're selling shit, uh, right? So no one's going to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. So the contradictions in her belief was your, your agreement wasn't specified whether it was cash or financing when it clearly says on paragraph two, I think it's 2C, cash at closing. <laughs> So it's clearly written there, maybe not in the format that she's used to. Uh, and that's why she's saying it's a contradiction. And then she also says that you typically have seven to 10 days inspection, not 28. Listen, guys, I, I don't know about you, but you dictate how long your inspection is. If it's a larger property, you're probably going to need more days. If it's in a remote area, you're probably going to need, you know, you, you got to line your team when they can get out there. So she in her head believes that, hey, a week to 10 days is, is, is sufficient. That's what it is typically because that's her belief and that's why she's uh, looking at it as a contradiction um as opposed to uh being fact yes Gabe. well i was just gonna say that typically is not law there's no such thing as the word typically that that, that means nothing that's just an opinion and that that's fair and we, you know you can come back and say well typically we'd get 45 days and so we've decided to actually cut it in half and, and go down closer to 28 so that typically means nothing and this is important because not only is she lecturing but she's also throwing things in on or just throwing things on a wall hoping that you're just gonna buy all the bullshit and deal with it and it's important that in reading all this that you sniff out things that are that are exactly that bs and i mean i've never seen any seven to ten day due diligence period for it it just it'll take a few days just to get the paperwork from anyone just to be able to validate it so very important that you you read everything there's there's a lot of things that are correct here on, on her part in the way she typically does things but typically seven to ten days this just doesn't make any sense no, and she, she also goes into uh not only the the inspection period where it should be the seven to ten days uh but she also goes into well no she goes typically again typically the seller will not pay closing costs and recording fees it's what you negotiate in the end so what if sam the student came at a price and says you know well, we really can't do that and say fine you know what we can reach you over here but you pay the closing costs is that not legal of course it is of course everything's legal of course everything's it is on the table so again this is the agent's the beliefs and that's what she's used to and that's fine but you got to address that so she says they're not paying your closing costs or recording fees and then she also goes on to say things like rent she goes rents are like taxes she goes they're prorated on the date of closing typically maybe they are but not we're not typical people so and it's whatever you negotiate we would like prefer to have the rents for that month maybe accredited to the buyer. We have clauses that say that. Hey, if we close at the end of the month, we want the month's rents. And not everyone likes it. Clearly she didn't, but sometimes it's able to get snuck in, allowing us to get an extra full month's rent without any expenses, which is, it's a questionable clause. I'll agree with that, but we can ask for it and it's clear it's right there. Yeah. And if they sign off on it, then it is yeah. what it is. And yeah, so anyway. Nobody's putting a gun on yes. to their head so to accept this, it, no, you know? Yes. And again, we make offers to get rejected, not get accepted. So just to be clear, this is a great opportunity to learn. So this is not something that I, you know, if anyone got this pushback, 
back and they didn't have us on their team to, you know, to see really what to do next. Most people would run away at this point, not even communicate back with the agent and then just disappear. And then the agent would go, I knew it. They were, you know, full of shit. But that's really not what you're supposed to do. There's, there's, you know, she's very emotional in this. And she has a very emotional reaction. She's very upset. She's married to the deal and not the process. And we're married to the process and not the deal, right? Divorce from result, married to process. So she's very emotional and you, and there's a very specific series of things that have to be done. And we're going to reply in a, I'm going to actually have Sam, if, if it was Sam, reply in a way that's going to either give her a choice. Do you want her money or not? And then she has to make a decision for the seller. So we have to turn the tables and Once we're again. okay either way. Yeah. And I was just going to say that she has an emotional response, yet at the end, she ends with, there are no hard feelings on my end, which is kind of, you know, there's another contradiction that we can we can play on. But exactly. And because we're not married to the result, you know, we'll give her a choice and we're going to be okay either yeah. way. In, in the end, listen, yeah. she wants to get this we'll, to, the, to the closing table. She wants to get a commission. And I get it for where she's coming from. And maybe she is emotional because, you know, it, there's been back and forth on this. And she believed that she had a closing coming up and she gets... It's this she gets she thought she got like side swiped right this is basically an email that says my expectations are disappointed i believe this and this is what happened and there's a gap in expectation and that's when this happens and again it, it's sam if it was sam has not been doing this a long time he's working really hard again have nothing but amazing things to say about the guy uh it's just a symptom of not understanding process and following process and everyone has to go through this at one point it's you know it's very rare that someone comes in and gets everything perfect the first time so this is a very common pushback where an agent is, you know, ripping a new asshole, you know, Dr. David, five contracts in a row, completely murdered, uh, also getting to a, a yes too quickly. And now it never happens again. He learned his lesson, but it took five times and it takes the time it takes to learn the lesson. So I think, you know, from a stepping back perspective, if you follow process and set expectations where I will not buy this property for cash at your number, I will buy your property at that number that you want with these terms. Do you want us to write it up? The answer is yes. It gets sent. Now, if they don't like the contract, that's a new conversation. This 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 email is not only do I not like contract, but now because I think you're getting financing, which it doesn't say at all in the contract at all. She's making suppositions that, okay, now, you know, you must not be a real buyer. But at the same token, if she didn't want the, the, the transaction to go through, she would not have invested all the time that it took to write this long, vertupious email like a very, very heated email, right? So there's definitely some hope there to salvage this if possible. And sometimes you just have to leave the store and you have to say, you know what? You know, my money's available. My money's on the table. I understand you're upset. I understand you don't want to use our contract. I understand that, you know, you probably don't have any of this, but it's our money, our contract. And if you are insisting on using state contracts, we're going to have to have an addendum, as Frank said. And if you don't like the addendum, we're going to take our business elsewhere. No problem. I don't know if yeah. Gabe or Frank has something to, no, to add to that before just, we wrap this one up. You're 100% correct. This suggests that she doesn't have any other buyers that's for sure there's other i think everyone gets the point that what happens when you come too quickly and i think she does want a deal and uh now again you can pivot back and exactly what you said marco is set the expectations now it's not too late to set the expectations and it's okay if you walk away and, or leave the store as we call it uh, and see what happens maybe she'll chase after him and say let's see if we can come to a consensus on something you know maybe we can use the state contract but use our addendum and scratch out some of our uh, requirements or whatever or come to terms on some of the things with the rents and so forth so it's not dead is just another step another hurdle now that the student has to go over which technically could have been prevented perhaps in the beginning if it was communicated well correct if no impasse get you know easy come easy go no impasse no solution. It's a great lesson. And yeah, again, it, it's still in play and it's not dead. It's just 
a hurdle. If you know what you're doing, you can get through anything. And again, our intention is to buy something at, a, at the right price, and this is. Their intention is to sell it at the right price, which this is. So, you know, it's it's still a match. Now the question is, is how do we get the paperwork together and establish the trust necessary in order to formalize the agreement and move on to the next opportunity and close this thing and buy as many as possible. So, and there's a couple things now that are extra that have to be done in this case because of processes that were broken before. But thankfully, that's what we do for a living is help folks that screw it up, unscrew it up. And some things you can unfuck. And this is one of them, hopefully. So, all right. Well, uh, hopefully this was a good episode. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you listening. As a listener, I think that was English. I appreciate you guys listening and uh, we're creeping up to the top. I really uh, am passionate about helping others achieve financial independence and wealth uh, using other people's money and through process, 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 process. You don't need money to make money. You need access to money and uh, application of very specialized knowledge to make money. And that's what we're all about is helping you with those skill sets, course correcting you as mentors when you go off course, because it's very easy to go off course and it's very simple to, to get back on course with just very simple emails or very strategic conversations that can get things back on track. So we appreciate you very much as a listener, Gabe as well, and Frank, of course, uh, love you guys very much. Appreciate your time and uh, can't wait to see you on the next episode where we don't know what we're going to talk about, but we know it's going to be good. We'll see you in the next one. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.